0: Video storytelling has become increasingly popular, with many taking to the microphone to share their voices, opinions and stories through the spoken word. But it isn't just about personal expression. Podcasting connects people and can be an outlet for those underserved by traditional media. I'm Meg Wilcox, and you're listening to the Community Podcast Initiative, or CPI. And the goal of the CPI is to produce and promote podcasting as a way to amplify underrepresented voices through audio storytelling. This initiative is based out of Mount Royal University in Treaty 7 territory and powered by Shaw. About 70 TV Ontario workers have been on strike since August 21st. Wage increases and contract employment were the key sticking points in finding an agreement, which broke down after months of negotiation. Six weeks into the strike, on September 28th, the public broadcaster brought the membership what they called their final offer, which maintained the existing contract protections in the current collective agreement, but came in lower than the union's ask for wage increases. The union voted down the deal, and they're back to the picket lines. Meredith Martin is the president of the TVO branch of the Canadian Media Guild and she joined me on October 4th to talk about the strike, where the members go from here, and what this means for Canadian journalism in the bigger picture. Your TVO employees or colleagues uh, with CMG have been on strike since August 21st. And I'm curious, you know, we don't just end up at a strike right away. What sort of led up to this and what was the decision for the members to go on strike?
1: We started negotiating with TVO in November of last year. And at first I thought it was going to be a really easy process because uh, there wasn't that much to talk about in my mind. It was just we really had been stuck under Bill 124 in the last round of negotiations. So, the government imposed on all public sector employees a wage cap of 1% a year for three years, and we were tied under that during the last round. So, there wasn't a lot to talk about uh, because, you know, we couldn't negotiate on monetary, which means almost anything. And our wages had been rising below inflation for the 10 years preceding that. So, we were really looking for wage gains. That was the number one thing. And uh, given that the the public has really started to understand the idea of of inflation and a high inflationary time, because we're all feeling it in our pocketbooks, I thought it would be a more reasonable ask. But unfortunately, the employer came back in February and said that they wanted us to also give up rights of future employees. So they wanted us to sign... A waiver that would waive away the rights of contract any new employees on the education side would be considered contract in perpetuity and that was not something that the union could agree to and so almost immediately in february we did a a strike vote amongst the membership and they gave us a hundred percent mandate on a no to that and so we had that strike mandate from february onwards and tvo did give us some positions at that time so we're uh operating as a publicly run public broadcaster that is owned by the provincial government so there's a headcount issue so basically the province tells the public sector workers like each department you can only have so many met like full-time employees basically so For TVO, we were told, I think it was something like 305 headcount. And so the management kind of came to us and said, we're not allowed to exceed this headcount. And if a position exists for more than two years, that's great. But we don't have the headcount. So we'll have to start cutting positions from the agenda or from TVO kids. And we said, that's not our problem. (laughs) So... So then basically we did the strike vote and they gave us 15 more positions. So there already had been members who should have been converted to staff and they weren't doing it. And so we were just trying to get them to to abide by the collective agreement. And they managed to get more headcount, but then they they kept coming back to this point. Like, we can't get more. We've asked. We can't. And, and the union kept saying, well, that's not our problem. <laughs> and then basically, I, I felt like we were slow rolling towards a strike for months and months. And by the time we hit August, you know, we had been without a collective agreement for 10 months at that point. And so we voted to go on strike. And and then we walked off the job. We We exercised our right to not work. And it's not something that anybody did. Um, lightly Uh, it is a very hard decision but we had gotten to a point where we thought we can't work for an employer who doesn't abide by the collective agreement that existed that wanted to have precarious work going forward and that had been paid below inflation for over 10 years I've been there for 22 years and when um, when I think back about my salary I make now about 15% less than I did in 2012. I have two kids. I cannot do that forever. I can't take a wage cut every year. And it's not something that... And you're in Toronto. Yeah. I'm in a very <laughs> expensive city. And and so is the membership. And I realized that the youngest members of our group can't live anywhere near the headquarters. And... And I had been able to be hired at TVO and save money and buy a house, and really the only reason I can continue living there is because I can protect that asset, and that asset wealth has gone up. But for my new younger members, that's not an option for them, and I just don't see that as fair.
0: And yeah, as you said, you know the math on the the salary, you know if there's been no raise for ten years, that s- speaks for itself. I'm curious a bit more looking at the contract so uh, or the element around contract hiring. So as you were saying there was there's a you know provision currently in the agreement that if someone is essentially full time or in a position for two years, they become a permanent employee.
1: Yes, so uh, if there's a new job that TVO wants to do, they approach the union, the union always says yes. Let's make more jobs. Um, but there's language in the agreement that said, if that job exists for two years, then it becomes a permanent position embedded in the organization. And it's never been a problem for as long as I've been there until the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden, the provincial government imposed this headcount issue. It may have been a headcount issue in other uh, you know governments. I just didn't know about it because it wasn't a problem. Maybe their headcount was more reasonable. But um, it became an
0: issue, and I just kept saying, it's not the union's issue, it's your issue. You know, if we think about this ability to take a two-year position and turn it into something permanent, how big of a deal is that for employees who are coming into TVO?
1: It's a huge deal because having a precarious work environment means that people can't point out when things aren't going right. So they can't talk back to management in any way. And it's not like people, we want people to be able to like say no to their bosses or anything like this. People work at TVO because they want to work. Everybody wants to work. But you can't point out workplace discrimination because you feel like, well, if I point it out, I won't get renewed. Or you can't point out um, unreasonable or bad behavior. And, And we've seen over the last couple of years at TVO some pretty unreasonable and bad behavior that was left unchecked because people didn't feel like they could speak up about it and it was always the newest employees the contract workers who bore the brunt
0: of that and so the agreement was to go on strike as you said almost 100 percent of the vote and how has that been we're now hitting about week seven of the strike but how how has that been for the membership
1: I think it's been bananas. (laughs) It really, like, that's the only way I can describe it. I think most of us thought that it would be a one or two week thing, uh, although you always plan for at least six weeks. Um, So we were organized and we, we were ready. But the fact that we had to work so hard to get management to come back to the table, each kind of, each week you kind of... Execute a bunch of strategies and then they'd come back for a day, but they weren't serious. And so it wasn't until last week, I believe, or the week before last week that we they came back and really fully bargained it. That's how it felt to the union anyway. And that's when they dropped the waiver and and we were able to present something to the membership that they then voted down. So basically all that's left at this point are wages. I think the membership is exhausted, but resolved. That's definitely how I feel. Um, We feel like we're on the right side of history here, that the public understands that taking a wage cut every year for over a decade is not a reasonable ask. And we've had all kinds of like love and support from the publics and the labor movement has been incredibly supportive. So we're getting a lot of um, love and support. So that is very, very helpful.
0: And I'm just thinking in like in practical terms to go on strike, you know, you're giving up your wage, you're going to be out picketing. What are some other things if someone's not familiar with the process of of what it means to actually be on strike?
1: Well, I'm pretty lucky in that the membership is an incredibly talented and um, creative and resourceful group of people. So we've got a virtual picket line. So if you if you have time, check out our TVO underscore CMG uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're on TikTok. And so we've been creating a whole bunch of social media videos trying to explain why we're on strike, what's happening. And we've gotten all kinds of, you know, shares and likes and retweets. And then also, you've I've been fundraising since the get-go. So we have a strike fund, and I think we've raised close to $20,000 that way. So if people are in hardship, um, we are getting that to the membership. And that's basically from 5 to $20 donations from the public. The other thing is obviously media interviews are very helpful and people are phoning their MPPs and and phoning the premier now and like get the word out and you know hope that it creates enough pressure to for the employer and for the government to come back to the table.
0: So I know that the union has crunched some numbers in terms of what this strike is costing. I guess in in the broader picture, Uh, right? Obviously, to to have people off work, to not have original content going on at TVO, and and so I'm wondering, by by your calculation, what what are the losses here by this the six seven weeks off the job?
1: So we calculated that the employees at TVO who are not CMG members. Have earned about $3.5 million over the last six weeks, and they are not doing full time work because there's no new content that's being created. So they don't have any new content to create or to work with. That doesn't mean that they're not doing anything. I know that I'm sure they're doing like LinkedIn learning and some training. I'm sure that there are some departments that can function without new content, but I know that TVO sent everybody home as soon as we went on strike because they didn't want. Uh, people have to have to cross a picket line and a bunch of people cannot do any work if they're not in the building. So TVO seemed very ready to give up the productivity of, you know, 310 members in order to suppress the wages of 74, which I find just wildly bad use of taxpayer money. And on top of that, um, the membership now has lost about $750,000 in wages and the wage offer they've presented to us is only worth about $400,000 so TVO right now is saving $350,000 on our salaries and they refuse to give it back in future wage increases which to me again is bananas it doesn't make economic sense and so it seems pretty clear that they don't care about the money and we also know that uh you know when you have a 74 unemployed journalists and educators, we went looking around in their books and we found $17 million that they had just put in a GIC in 2022. So that's now locked away for five years and that could have easily been used to prevent this strike and pay their employees. So again, bananas to me that were in this situation to begin with. We never needed to go on strike. It's, uh, as far as I can tell, we're stuck between ego and narcissism so that's my take
0: for the other side have there been any discussions around tvo or reports around smaller budgets or needing to make cuts in those areas the
1: notion at the beginning was that tvo just didn't have enough money when we found the 17 million dollars it became clear that that wasn't the case but tvo has had uh you know provincial governments not just the progressive conservatives but the liberals before had been cutting tvo's Budget every year for years. During the pandemic, we started doing more work on the education side, and they did a bunch of hiring. And then the way that the Ministry of Ed dealt with our budget was to very much cordon off the money they give to the education side from the production side. So the production side has been losing ground for years. And just over the last few uh, years, the education side seems to have plenty of budget. But again, this, you know, this isn't my or the union's problem. This is, these are barriers that the government is creating for the organization. And it's up to management to navigate that or to fundraise the difference. Look at PBS, look at NPR, like there are a whole bunch of low hanging fruit that they could be doing to ask for money for on our YouTube page and on the content that we create. So definitely there are fiscal constraints, but none of them are so difficult that they can't be managed.
0: So as you've mentioned, uh, around 70 employees within the CMG at TVO, but out of the 400 employees, uh, the vast majority are members of Unifor, is my understanding. So I'm curious, as CMG members have been on strike, what has the relationship been there? Has there been support from Unifor? How, how is that playing out?
1: The Unifor employees at TVO, you're right, there are about 210 of them compared to R74. It's kind of a weird dynamic within the workplace that, uh, you know, that we aren't all under one union. It would be much easier and uh, we would have more leverage if we were all under one union. Um, but generally, we have a pretty good re- working relationship with that union. The parent union has donated generously to our strike fund, and that's been awesome. And then other uniform members have come out and visited us at the picket line. But I, their contract negotiations start up pretty soon, and I think part of the reason why we're still on strike is because TVO's afraid of us getting too high uh, monetary increase. And having that impact what Unifor asks for, and then they have more bargaining power because there are more of them. So I think that's potentially why we're still on strike. I don't think that's fair because our contract ended last November, and I don't believe theirs ends until this December. And so this should have been something that management handled much faster on our end instead of letting the two negotiations bleed into one another. And they, they were so slow to react to any non-monetary ask that we ended up on strike. So all of this could have been avoided by better management, in my mind.
0: And so, as you say, back on the lines, continuing, not sure for how long at this point. Uh, what, are you, what are you hearing from the membership as they've voted this down? And, you know, they, they could have gone back to work uh, for whether they were happy with that or not. But I, I'm just curious how they're feeling about that.
1: Like I said, I think people are quite uh, exhausted, but resolved. And um, people, we've been working creatively on different, you know, videos and projects for a number of weeks now. So we were able to, like, release some things that we had been working on and wanted to get out there into the public anyway. There's a great video that the TVO kids people put together, a satire video about Gary, who is sort of a pokaroo lookalike. We were given a cease and desist about uh, we had like a co- Pokeru costume built, and then they said, you can't do that. This is copyright infringement. And we're like, you're right our bad. So we took down those videos. But satire is totally allowed. And so uh, the creative people at TVO Kids put a giant mustache and uh, sunglasses on him. And you should check it out. It's quite funny. And Gary talks about how his wages have been suppressed at TVO and he's been an employee there for um, 49 years I think because I think polka dot door started in 1972 so anyway they did the math and that's how long uh, Gary has been working at TVO and so uh, it's good to you know have an outlet like that and like I said the, the public has been very supportive and generous and we have been raising funds so People feel like they've got a safety net behind them, that the union has their backs, and and we do. We also get strike pay, obviously. So uh, we're part of the uh, Communication Workers of America, and so that's who pays our strike pay, and it's about $500 every week. So it's about equivalent to unemployment. And then people are picking up other jobs and stuff like that. So it's you know, we can make this work for a while longer, that's for sure.
0: And what are your what are next steps? What are your hopes now that you know, you've gone back to the employer and not accepted the deal? But what are you hoping happens next? I'm
1: really hoping that the government intervenes at this point. It's clear that we're at loggerheads with management and the chairman of the board is a political appointee. The CEO is a political appointee, really. We understand at this point that the government um, is in charge and that they should be stepping in and offering binding arbitration. We, the, The union has said from the beginning that we would have taken binding arbitration. We're only 74 members, you know, like we're it's ridiculous. Like we should have just had a neutral third party. Decide on wages, what was fair and what is reasonable. And the union was willing to take the chance that that wouldn't go in our favor. And we are still willing to take that chance because you never know how what an arbitrator is going to think or or how they're going to read the arguments. And so it's a risk for both sides, but the union has been willing to take that risk because it just seems like the fastest way for us to get back to work. If they agree to binding arbitration today, we'd be at, back at work tomorrow, and everybody just wants to go back to work. So it seems like the most reasonable thing to do is have the government step in and tell TVO to give us binding arbitration.
0: You've already mentioned support from journalists, other unions, other groups. What are you hoping that maybe other journalists, other people in unionized situations take from your experience and and take from what's going on right now?
1: I'm really glad you asked that because as part of the Communication Workers of America, we're associated, affiliated, supported by journalists in the US as well. So the News Guild, which is under this umbrella organization, unionized environments of the New York Times, the New Yorker, um, all kinds of papers across the U.S. And I think we're the 28th strike in North America this year of newsrooms because newsrooms are under siege. Journalism obviously is incredibly precarious right now. The ad-based revenue model is completely broken. It makes absolute sense for governments to support publicly funded News and current affairs because the private sector can't make money from it anymore. So, if you want a healthy uh, news environment, a healthy journalism environment, you need to support public media. And I would love for Canadian media and news organizations to start kind of waking up to the fact that if we don't work together, we're all going to go down together. And this isn't, an, it's not just about tdo it's about um and i know this sounds sort of like corny and over the top but it really is about democracy you have to have a healthy media environment in a country in order to hold power to account and i don't feel like journalists in canada recognize that in one another i think there's way too much kind of internal competition and I don't think that's a healthy attitude i think everybody should be concerned about the strike at tvo the more journalism jobs there are out there that are viable that you could make a living at the better it is for the whole country like you need to have a healthy um, media in order to survive as a democracy and we can even see it in the u.s like they're becoming more and more authoritarian like you know there's some very extreme views that are gaining ground in the U.S. And it's important that journalists understand that we have to fight that and and that I think unions are a very good way to do that.
0: That was Meredith Martin, president of the TVO branch of the Canadian Media Guild, discussing their ongoing strike. You can find the digital picket line on TikTok, instagram and twitter where is that now x at tvo underscore cmg i'm meg wilcox thanks for listening this podcast was a collaboration with j source and the community podcast initiative at mount royal university which focuses on audio storytelling as a medium to better include underrepresented voices the cpi is powered by shaw you can learn more about JSource at jsource.ca, and you can find the Community Podcast Initiative at thepodcaststudio.ca or on social media at CommunityPodYYC.